Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 817. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are boosted and thoughtful and helpful and considerate and hopefully calm and zen digital readers. I know things are getting tougher when you can't get the top off the bottom of the barrel. What up and roll the future now? Looking fucking new. Hello, welcome to my fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 817. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Connor, I just made a huge mistake. Uh-oh. I I, uh, I put hand lotion on, but I forgot to take my wedding ring off. <laughs> and, I mean, first of all, the finish just doesn't look right. And second of all, there's a small patch of unmoisturized finger. I thought maybe you put hand lotion on and then tried to use your iPad. I've done that. It is not what happened. Although, you know, if you'd given me time, that would have I would have discovered that next foible. I just we, I I just want to set the tone for this show. We are dumb. And every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book called The Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book as well as other books from the week and the patron pick and some listener mail, probably the definitely this week. And we have a good time. Whether or not Josh can just impotently slap at his iPad. With his moisturized fingers <laughs> and get anything it's winter, to work. Connor. It dries <laughs> it. your skin, skin out. Cracks. I get it. You know, it took me probably 40 years to be like, maybe you should use some moisturizer, you idiot. Also, and this is important to remember, uh, uh, you know, you got married relatively recently. Yeah. I was married low these many years ago. And, uh, well, it's a little hard to get my wedding ring off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, you know, <laughs> there I get we it. are. Yeah, I get do it. you? You got to go a week without run, salt, and then you got to take it off. I got to run under cold water. She's like, why are you wearing your wedding ring? Because it took me 40 minutes to get it off. Here's your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers in this episode. Exercise some caution. This week, Josh <laughs> had the pick two weeks in a row. Connor told me that uh, he had trouble adding more stuff to the list that was worth talking about. So I said, oh, we'll have extra time. And what I did was I just ate all of it up at the very beginning. <laughs> like, a, like a child with money on Christmas. Just mm-hmm. I'll spend it all immediately. The pick of the week is uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Yes. Number eight of eight. I had not been aware that this would be the last issue until I saw that Tom had posted something on Instagram. He said, oh, it's the final issue. Like, oh, no one does eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so unexpected. Well, apparently um, eight was because DC wouldn't give him 12. That makes for Super, sense. For Supergirl. Y- you know what, though? Maybe that's, that's like, maybe that's the right way to go, I'm getting at. You know, like it, it maybe. just... I think this series didn't need any more issues. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and so... 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything about this last issue was fantastic and it was a wonderful um, a conclusion to the series. However, I, I did find that the entire time I was reading it, I, I kept thinking, what? what is going on here, like in the best way? Mm-hmm. I, I just, it, I think it, it gave me a lot to, to chew on, mm-hmm. I think, as I went through it. And you've got this character, it's like, you know, we've talked about, um, by the way, Tom King written, Bill Coseverly artist, and Mateus Lopez colorist, all uh, excellent. Uh, Clayton Cowles is a letterer. He always is, uses Clayton Cowles. Is so Bill uh one of the Everly brothers? Did I say an R in there? Yes. <laughs> wake up a little soupy. Wake up a... It's not bad, right? No, it's not um, too bad. So, and I asked once, I said, why do you always work with uh, Clayton Cowles? And what he mm-hmm. said was, I quote, he's the best he is at what he does. And I was like, fair yeah. enough. There you go. Um, I guess you got to learn to trust somebody with your words. Mm-hmm. I think that there were a lot of things in this issue that were on. I loved this series. I loved mm-hmm. every issue of this series. I got I got really excited when they came out and sort of coming into a finale. You know, I was I was pretty pumped to see what would happen. Um, and there were a lot of choices in this issue that I thought were not obvious and were really interesting. The way that this girl, who has been sort of the meek, is it Maddie in uh, in uh, True Grit? True Grit, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, sort of following along and out of her depth and whatever. And at the end of the last issue, we see that she is. Uh, you know, left on the beach alone with her, with the object of her revenge, the the man they've captured, and and she's there, and and there's this thing like, oh, she's just gonna kill him, and, which right. is sort of from out of nowhere. And then as we get into this, she's making the decision not to, and right. but instead to challenge him to a duel. And you think this is a terrible idea, but she's become badass apparently in all this time. I mean, you get the sense they've been doing this for years, right? This is like a years long chase. Yeah. Um. Well, the thing is, like, she can't just murder him, you know? Right. There's, there's the choice that a, a normal non-sociopath, you know, has to make is, can I, as much as I hate this person, can I just kill them, you know, as they're tied up against a tree? But she thought about it. It wasn't Sure, she as thought if, about it. She hates him. He killed her father. Right. But but then the, the, the but that's true. Like, like, the next thing would be think, well, then I'll just wait here for Supergirl to come back and we'll turn him in or do what, you know? Right. But that's not what she did. She chose, you know, to like have a duel, and then and then what happened here next was a pretty well choreographed fight, yeah. uh, and and that's that's the thing. Comic books have a lot of fighting, but there isn't always sort of choreography and 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 um, planning to it. And and here that existed in in what was a really well drawn segment. And the sun is going down. I think no, it's going up. The sun the sun is like a, a major player in this story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of, but it's happening sort of in the background. I noticed it in the end section, um, and you know, the beginning was, you know, she had gone to a Supergirl had gone to a planet that didn't have a yellow sun, so therefore she was immune and could get drunk. That's where that's where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just a, a lot sort of swirling around, and and she she doesn't do it, and then Supergirl shows back up, and her horse is now a man, and he's dying. I didn't fully understand that. I had whatever. forgotten that Comet in a Silver Age was a man that was turned into a horse with magic. I forgot that. Mm. So when it happened in the book, when Comet turned back into a man, I was like, "What is happening?" Mm-hmm. And then I had to, so I had to stop and see if because I'd forgotten. It's from the Silver Age, um, and uh, that's true. I think they were in love. I don't, or maybe afterwards. Mm. Anyway, she's in love with her horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is you know what American girl isn't? Um, yeah, exactly. 
You know, and then Supergirl shows up just in time, and, and she looks like she's going to cut his head off. Mm-hmm. And, and like, they're just, they're working with these moralities that are often clear-cut. And so what I was thinking is that earlier this week, we, um, we both had read an essay that Grant Morrison had written uh, right. about his um, uh, Superman and the Authority and, and how that came to be and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. his, the main thing that came out of it was that, he was that he was making the point once again brilliantly, and as we said, this is the only guy who seems to actually get it, is that like, it's ridiculous to show these moral paragons as having feet of clay and of, of, not, of being able to be taken down and being foibles. This is the entire point of them, yeah. Right, because we have that in real life and that's not what this is. And they need to be better than that. And I thought that this story treaded on the edge of that, but ultimately, you know, comes out on the side of, of you know, doing the right thing. Yeah, and then at the end, not so much. Well, yeah, I mean, she's this is this is an angrier Supergirl, right, in this yes. book. She's not, not the um, militant, authoritative character that was in that essay that Dan DiDio had proposed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, she was a bit terrible. angrier. And pissed off. And so you, the possibility existed that she would just kill this guy. In and, my and, head, and, at least. And one thing about this series is that they really established that when they sort of gave, went through her history, you know, with, with uh, not with Krypton and then with, were they mm-hmm. in Kandor? Was she in Kandor? Or, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, their family well, everybody, was, yeah. Everybody died. Her. It's always Everybody changing. she knew died. Yeah. You know, basically, that's the point. And so... You know, she and then and then her mentor, her person that she's most compared to, most linked to, is Superman, who is perfect. Right. And, you know, and she's just a kid, really. And it's just a lot going on there, and I think it's really nuanced, and it's it's doing something. I didn't know what to expect from page to page, and 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 then so you get to the end, and we do a time jump, and Supergirl, who has not aged nearly as much as the old lady who is was the young girl. I'm going to call mm-hmm. her Maddie. Um, Ruthie. Ruthie, right. That's Maddie. Uh, you know, and it's hundreds of years later and, and they're they're talking and and Supergirl is explaining that, you know, oh, he's been in the Phantom Zone and he for the first hundred years he was an asshole and for the second hundred years he calmed down, the third hundred years he's completely, you know, repented and, and they bring him back from the Phantom Zone and and he's he's like, Thank you, please forgive me, and he seems genuinely contrite. And then as the sun comes up, the red sun, where Supergirl has no powers, uh, the old lady uh, kills him. <laughs> or at least beats his face in. No, no. She it's, looks like, I mean, well, she's his, got an if axe. You look, uh, no, it's her walking stick. Oh, it's her sword. I think she hits it's him. Her, I think she hits him because at the third panel, his elbow is up. Yeah, he and moves his arm. so they don't kill him, yeah. but she just takes a, a whack at him. Well, listen, if you whack a 300-year-old man in the head with a cane, he probably dies. He was pretty tough. I think like she got or one more whack in, and then they walked away. Right. Oh, you know what? I just got it. I thought about this for a while last night, by the yeah. way. Like, I, I, I really was like, I'm not entirely sure what happened at the end. And I was okay with that. It wasn't like they screwed up. I had to think about it. But now that I'm looking through it again, it, he says, will you please, please forgive me? Forgive me, forgive me. And basically, she whacks him in the face, which is her way of saying, no, I don't forgive you. But right. also, go on about your life. Like, you've, you've paid, but I'm not forgiving you. That's what I think it is. And Supergirl I mean, is he, cool with that. He's certainly alive. He, he you know, he falls down. He, he brings his he- hand to his head. This is all in long silhouette, and uh, so he's alive in the third panel. He could, he could conceivably be dead in the fourth panel, or he'd just be laying there in pain. So we kind of have that as our "What do you think happened?" ending. 
I am based on everything that happened before. It would be a really big, weird turn to do at the end and then stop. The story stops on that fourth panel. That is the end. Mm. And, she, and the, literally her, her dialogue is, and that is where I shall end the long story of Ruthie Supergirl and the creme of the Yellow Hills. Right. I think it would be an interesting choice to have him die there, but it seems off. I, I, like, I could go either way with it, but I think now that I'm reading it, I think he's just laying there and he's living with it. I don't think Supergirl lets a murder happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think so either. I just, but you know, it could be it could be read either way. Just yes, it's it less could. Ambiguous. I think it's the right thing, but I, I think everybody here is doing the right thing, but they're being much more human about it and trying to get there. Right, and it skirts the edge of that superhero morality thing. And oh God, that last sequence is just beautiful. I'm, I it mean, is. like this is a beautiful. This is one of those beautiful books I've seen in forever. Like tip to tail, colors, uh, composition, storytelling, figure drawing, you know, pencils, like the whole thing, like it couldn't have been more perfect visually. Um, Yeah, I mean, I did the colors by Mateus Lopez, Lopez, Lopes. um, Lopez. I just, I I don't like the modern trend of making Superman and Supergirl wearing teal instead of blue. I don't see it as teal. It's a, in some sequences. Are you watching it on your old iPad? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. But I, I think that I think that when you see that, I know what you're talking. I know what you're talking about. But I think in this one, it has a ton to do with what the ambient like light is like. That's po- certainly possible. I'm not if, saying if the clothes are bad. The, just, it's a it's a it's a DC wide thing sometimes. If you go to the beach, you know that that happens. Like it's bright sunlight. That's blue. It's it's not quite royal blue, but it, it's correct. Um, I, I see what you're saying. But but either way, I mean that. But that's overall, I mean, this is the costume. This, this is a gorgeous book and. And Bill Quee has done a lot, uh, some other Batman stuff that's been great, and she's just terrific. She's really has a great, um, unusual quality. Everything's super detailed, but you can see the pencil lines, and no, uh, it's really I nice. Have no, uh, I have no comparison. Like a lot of times, we would say, "Oh, this is a bit of this." And yeah, a bit there's of nothing that. like this. Yeah, I mean, like, I can see influences, but I have a very hard time nailing it down. But it is it is of its own entirely unique. But, but you know, like, quality storytelling. You know, yeah. the, there's, let's say that there's a page page eight um, with the fight, you know, and the first panel starts, and it's like her boot is coming down, and we see it from that angle, from his face. Yeah. You know, you'd see it, and it's just a great fight scene. And, you know, there's action speed lines, and, and stuff's moving, and yeah, big fan. Big fan. Yeah, I, really, I just really enjoyed this series. I, you know, and it didn't. It, it gave me a, a good feeling that was like both mature reader and gosh at the same time, and it, and it explored a character who I've never had a connection with, uh, and it's completely unexpected from Tom King. I think all mm-hmm. those things together. I, I really like things that I I don't I can't see what's coming, and I'm you know these are fairly formulaic as a medium, so it's pretty easy to see what's coming a lot of the time. And I was just on my heels the entire time reading it. Yeah, it was really good. I, yeah. I really liked the ending. I thought the ending was strong. Yeah, um, which, is, very which is which is really something. Series. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, totally. When Everything Tom was King unexpected. Announced he was it. doing Supergirl. I wasn't like, well, he's definitely going to do True Grit in space with Supergirl. You know, so mm-hmm. might as well. Good stuff. Yeah. And I don't think it should have been any longer. And no, I, I think it. We had. I think we had enough. We you know we got enough of them on their mission together. You know, encountering various people and civilizations and things. And I don't think we need any more than that. Nightwing, number 89. 
by mm-hmm. Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriana Lucas, with letters by Wes Abbott. I am going to make the prediction that you are of mixed feelings about this. No, I mean, not totally. I mean, you know, I thought it was a good comic. Yes. And, you know, I can't get over Bruno Redondo. I, I, I love also, and I don't know, I know there's a couple artists that do this, that use this sort of um, overlay that makes it look like it's dot pitch, but isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've seen on Instagram, uh, I think it's Jorge Jimenez cuts it out and pastes it onto the page. Um, I love the, that. I love this quality to it. It makes it look like old timey comics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't love Jonathan Kent as a character. I don't love him. I definitely don't love him as Superman. But the idea of Dick as older brother to all these superheroes is great. And. The Dick Clark relationship was so was always so special, and so we've yeah. lost that, and now we get Dick as mentor. I like the opening sequence a lot, where oh. it's a flashback to uh, Jonathan's gone missing. He's the even he's younger. He's just he's the jeans and Converse wearing yeah, version sweatshirt. And uh, so Batman and Nightwing are helping Superman look for him, and then Batman and Nightwing find him. Batman scares him. And Nightwing has to, you know, be the humanist, mm-hmm. you know, superhero he is, and and gives him a, pulls a, pulls a lollipop out of Bruce's belt, mm-hmm. and then juggles for him. Like it's just, it was a great sequence. That 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 juggling scene, like those panels, I was like, oh, that's pull gives him the lollipop. Here you go. Want to see me juggle? Sure. Yeah. Like that panel, right there. That's a pick of the week panel. Like yeah. you, I could base a pick of the week if that was all that happened, and then having them. It's, just, it, it's a small decision, but then the next pages you cut, you have them. Uh, Dick is juggling in the background while while John has his lollipop in his mouth, and that remains in the background. We don't focus on it at all anymore. While Superman and Batman have a conversation, right? And it is serious. And then there's a little joke about I will move them to another pocket because the, <laughs> the smoke bombs are too close to the lollipops, right? Um, and it, it's also. I mean, it's it's a masterful little bit of writing that told us something about Bruce Wayne there, too. Yeah. Because it's so easy to make him arch. But then you say, well, he does seem to keep picking up these kids that he wants to help. Well, that's the help. thing that I've always said is that, you know, he he has, he has obviously has an affection for lost children because he's a lost child. Mm-hmm. And so he, car- he, he carries... Specifically lost uh, white boys with dark hair. <laughs> right? He well, he exactly sees himself. like him. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, also Cassandra and... And Helena and Barbara, but um, later, uh, so he, he, you know, he keeps little lollipops in his in his bag, mm-hmm. which I, you know, a more cynical person can make a terrible joke about it, but I think it's that's sweet. stupid. It is. I also wonder: are they like super high end lollipops? Like yeah. they bo- are they billionaire lollipops? But probably not, because I don't they're, think kids like billionaire lollipops. They're the kind of billionaires get to taste like money. But they're also not like they're not like cheap ass dum dums because those would fall apart. Like it's something yeah. in the middle. It's charms. It's I want a lollipop right now. I also really liked, uh, <laughs> so you know, Dick Grayson is often like the coolest guy, right? Everyone wants mm-hmm. everyone wants to be him. He's, he's handsome and he's charming, but does, he doesn't know it. And all the ladies love him, but he's wearing those Batman pajamas. Yeah, uh, I just, and, that was a nice. <laughs> which totally undercut, um, you know, his level of coolness when he, you know, Keelix from the, from the Fortress of Solitude comes to. He asked Dick to come help talk to Jonathan, who was feeling lost without his father. And uh, Barbara has been sleeping over, which I, I've never I seen. 
I've never seen them so casually in a relationship I, like this. I just recognized that looking at the page. I was like, wait a minute, she's sleeping. Like, I saw it before and I just kind of was like, hey, whatever. And now looking at it, I went, wait, that's a big deal. Yeah, I've, I've never seen, like, it's so casually portrayed of them in a relationship mm-hmm. like this. You know. I gotta say, really like Kellex's uh, characterization here. <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> and he drew him um, like a little ant. I don't know if he's always sort of got an ant body, but he kind of does here. You dropped this like, in my direction. It's a, it's sort of a joke from the Mr. Miracle book, but I like Barbara's continued wearing of Dick Grayson-related T-shirts. Mm-hmm. So here she's wearing a Teen Titans Go T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know he goes. There's a lot of there's a lot of Super Superboy in here, Super yeah. Superman stuff from that series. This is a two issue crossover. The next part will be in Super Superman. And at least it's at least it's uh, um, consistent because he's doing both of those books, right? And then you know they have they, then they get together and talk and it, it only sort of leads to, to the you know the cliffhanger. But I thought this was a really terrific issue. Yeah, I gotta say I hate that mask that his boyfriend wears a yeah. lot. Um, and then and then the it was very silly that uh, John put the uh, domino mask on. I was like, come on. And then but he had Dick that mask in the, in the Superboy issue. I know, but it like it's dumb. It's you know, especially like for Dick, whatever. Like he's he's gonna. I mean, which they which they totally addressed. But even like as a person who reads superhero comics and is a disbeliever, I was like that's a stupid disguise. Like those are just thick glasses. Yeah, I I, I mean, you, gotta, you gotta buy into it if you're buying into it. I mean, sure. the, glasses are just, the glasses are also a disguise for, for Clark. So. I buy into it with Superman because it has been a thing. And when you take it out of that context, I guess only barely out of that context. I'm just I'm like, oh, it's a little silly. I thought it'd be more of a joke that he's basically wearing Robin's mask. Sure. But, oh, um, yeah. I don't know yeah, if that's true. specific to like him admiring him, but then you know when when Dick saves him in the beginning, he no, wasn't. No, because he didn't he give him the mask. He uh, the the guy the other guy gave him the mask. Yeah, he got it sure. from he got it from the guy in a box of masks. Yeah. Anyway, I thought this was this was very good. All right. It's it's not going to like you know give. I guess it's giving Superman one issue reprieve because I'm going to read the next issue, but I think I'm probably done after that. Okay. Batman. The Knight, number two. Yeah. I had forgotten which series this was. There's a lot of these going. Like <laughs> it's a like, couple of Batman. Because it's called Batman. The Knight, and it's in script. And I was like, but this, is, this isn't the medieval one. No. Although it probably should be. And there's, it, there's, you could arguably say there's too many series like this. And I, I was like, Do I, am I reading this? And then I started, I kind of remembered which one it was. And then by the end, I was like, this is very good. And this it shouldn't be, because it's really well-trodden ground. Um, but I think that the the thing that was unique about this, you got Chip Zdarsky and uh, Carmine. Here we go. Di Giannament, oh, di Gian Domenico. Gian Domenico. Gian Domenico. Gian Domenico. I can do it, but I have to practice. Um, we, we, gorgeous, just gorgeous yeah. art. Oh, uh, yeah. Really wonderful uh, Italian penciler. Um, you know, and this is basically a story of the time that Bruce Wayne went about the world trying to figure out how to be. Uh, you know, the best he could be. And he sort of comes to the conclusion in this issue that he has to actually learn from the criminals because those are the best people. And then there's a, you know, there's a question about morals and what he should be doing and shouldn't and blah, blah, blah. But I really liked this older French lady, uh, cat burglar person who has decided to mentor him. He and has a type. Little... Yes, he does. Uh, he has a type of little boy and a type of lady. Those are the <laughs> two types that Bruce Wayne has. And it was a really fun relationship. Like, I could see it in a movie. I could see the kind yeah. of actor who would play the woman and, you know, their their flirty relationship and, and sort of what happened with that. But then he tries to kiss her and it goes, you know, no, she's like, no, 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 that's not. And I like that. You know, like, it, it it's, uh, 
made a, again, I made a lot of good choices. Um, and I just didn't expect the thing. And I didn't expect us to tread over ground like this again, you know, and have it be interesting. But, it, you know, that, that comes down to creative team. It is funny, though, that he gets shot in the leg, right? Yeah. And they, we cut to the house and she's patching him up and he's in his briefs and she's in her bra and underwear and that's when he decides to kiss her. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I get that. Why would, is she naked? <laughs> I would also miss those signals. She's French for God. I mean, that right yeah. away. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, this is Why great. Why do you think I'm flirting with you? Henry, you know, and they introduce close. Ducard, who is the, his detective mentor, is is here as well. And uh, I mean, yeah, this was the Chip Zdarsky has shown a great facility for the Batman world uh, through his various little stories he's done in like the anthology book and other places. And I'm happy who's, that he's, he's doing. This. Who's writing Batman right now? Uh, it's Williamson. Ridley. Williamson. Oh, Josh. I mean, I don't understand why they haven't given the keys to to. I mean, clearly they're grooming Zdarsky to, to take the Batman series or or detective one of them. They should. Like I've seen, we've seen this pattern before. <laughs> if he wants but it, he could do it very well. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, but but you know, this is a, like if if you read me the solicit for this, you know, other than the name sort of being attractive. In fact, have Chip Zdarsky's name and and um. Damn it. Why can't I? I'm the one who can do these. Jen Domenico. Jen Domenico. It's like every time I have to learn from scratch. When I say it, I'm fine. Anyway, if those hadn't been the names on it, I probably wouldn't have checked it out. But uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I have. It just it goes to show like good good creators can sort of get past the cliches of these stories that are told endlessly over and over and over again and give you something else. Yep. It's good stuff. I wanted to talk about X-Men number eight. It is such a profoundly weird book, and I kind of like it because of that. It's uh, So Jerry Duggan has taken over for Jonathan Hickman on the main book. We talked about the issues before. Uh, Javier Pena is the artist on this issue. Uh, and <laughs> a couple of things here. One, it's a MODOK story, which under Jerry Duggan's writing is terrific. There's lots of screaming about science, and he kicks him with his little tiny legs. Um, <laughs> the downside is... They've just—I uh, don't know if this is just for this issue or what—but they've de- they've redesigned the aim guys to have less ridiculous outfits, which I think is a cardinal sin. Oh, that's a huge mistake! Huge you, mistake. You can't make aim look cool. Just embrace the ridiculous. That's part of the fun of aims. They show up with those giant, stupid helmets, and they get beaten. Like that's—they're the, almost like oversized, like fabric chef hats. Yes, they're beekeepers. Let them be beekeepers. You don't need to, you know. Uh, aerodynamically uh, change the way the suits are and make them kind of look cool. No, they're not. They'll not, they will never be cool. Embrace it. Yellow beekeepers. So what's been going on in this book is that, as we all know, the X-Men have Fuck Island where they can be endlessly reincarnated. And so as a side note, every X-Men character now is a clone of their original, of their original, of their original. Every selves. single one. Basically all the major ones have died at least at some point. So the problem is that as as I think you you I think you, did you make one issue pick of the week one of these early issues was made in pick of the week I can't imagine I made one of these it might pick have been of the me. week um, Cyclops is the leader of the f- public facing X Men team that lives in that tree in Midtown Manhattan that was a patron pick I think maybe and the problem is Cyclops was killed in battle very publicly so they can't just resurrect him because then everyone would know their secret. In fact, Ben Urich figured out their secret, and one of the one of the characters here, uh, Sink, who can borrow powers from other people, 
borrowed Jean Grey's powers and went into his brain and, and deleted it because they don't want anybody to know that they can be endlessly reincarnated. So th- what do they what, what do they do when their leader has been killed? You know, in a public that's unethical. Fight? <laughs> yes, well, that's another problem. What do they do when their leader's been killed in a public fight and and uh, can't be reincarnated very easily because then your secret's blown? Well, you reincarnate him and you give him a new identity as Captain Krakoa. And that's stupid. <laughs> it's is it supposed so to be stupid? But I think it's kind like, of supposed it, to be. Okay, as long as it's, it's supposed to be stupid, then it's I'm Jerry cool Duggan. I I can't yeah. believe it's not an unpurposely stupid. Yeah, he and knows. He has a dumb costume with like Krokoa and flowers on the side of his helmet, and and it's just. Is this it, was is a it very enjoyable than, issue? Is it worse than his bad mask? <laughs> I. It's just I think it's it's got to be intentionally dumb. And when you add in Modok and. <laughs> Um, his his gleeful science evilness. It was just a really really fun issue. This was an, a week where a lot of really fun comics came out. Um, yeah, maybe not great ones, but really fun ones. I agree with that exactly. Yeah, and this was another. Totally. This was one I really enjoyed this week. I had not planned to talk about Fantastic Four six eighty again, and I think for about the first half of it, I was like, maybe this will be the one I don't like. And then as we got to the end of Fantastic Four number six eighty, uh, I was like, nope, this is great too. I'm loving this. I really like it. And I think it feels, you know, we're always talking about what is that ineffable quality that makes an event an event, right? Mm-hmm. This feels like an event. And I don't know what sure. that means or how it's to even watcher, verbalize it. It's just a feeling where it feels like it's a big, important story. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it is a big, important story. It just feels that way. And in that sense, it makes it very compelling. There was a lot of interesting things that happened in this book, including, um, you know, we had the She-Hulk series happening which we talked about the first issue of, but we haven't had an issue since. Apparently in that book, Jack of Hearts and She-Hulk are going to become a couple because now they're a couple in this book. Like they're talking about watching Netflix together. He calls, she, he calls her babe. Like, so we've clearly jumped ahead here. Um, also, she's back to being gigantic and Hulk-like in this book, which I think was, whatever we got gotten rid of. The art was weird from Rachel Stott, which was confusing. On the cover, I thought I saw a slot and Stott, and I thought I kind of sp- thought, like, is this, did that have something to do with her getting the job? And that is not a knock on her work, by the way. That's <laughs> not the point. But somebody just saying this would be funny on the cover. Um, I, everyone's kind of odd and kind of off model. Like, I kind of liked that. Sue Storms with this like giant model hair and reads very Ichabod Crane. I didn't hate it, but it was very sort of jarring. Well, is is Nick Fury? At one point, he's got like elderly man face, but he's super buff. Yeah, but um, I, I, I I don't know. But it all—it really kind of added to the craziness. I will say that there was one moment at the end that turned me around on the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh Because at first, if they did—they said a thing that like uh, what you're talking about. They were like, "Wow, he looks like he's half of a of himself or something." Because I guess they were trying to write him all, draw him all skinny. But I don't know if that came across in the drawing because the the power in the watcher's head is kind of eating him away. Um, and then there's a reveal at the end about that. But the thing that got me. Um, is that at one point Reed's telling everybody what to do and he's going around and he's just being an ass and, and he just says to Sue, he's like, this isn't arrogance. Yeah. I'm just thinking of everything all the time and I can't, and this is what we have to do. And it, it I, I, like that grounded the entire thing for me for a second because he's never that, he's never uh, inward facing or able to like talk about himself like that. It's certainly in the middle of the story. Afterwards, it's always like regret and I should do this and then he does it again. But this is in the middle of the thing. He's like, no, no, we're real. Well, he's, and that, he's Im- that's solidified the power as a threat. Of the Watcher, right? So yeah. he yep. 
even for him, this is this is new territory, and he's kind of scared that he's got all this mm-hmm. intelligence like in him. And so he shaves his beard, mm-hmm. his iconic Reed Richards beard, and his 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 kids have the same reaction that my brother and I had when my dad shaved his beard when we were kids because we had never seen him without a beard before, which was to freak out. Yeah. Um, my and children he makes, laughed and laughed. <laughs> he he makes he changes them all into their original classic Fantastic Four outfits because he says we're going to need to imbue trust in the public so we need to look like when we are our most trustworthy you know that seems selves. like a marketing thing they're telling us without <laughs> I, you know it's their classic outfits I think they're awesome yeah. um, but you know it's a big story it involves the Silver Surfer and the Avengers and the Watchers and the Shi'ar and then it involves the prophecy from a couple of st- stories ago about Ben Grimm's death and this is and Ben realizes this is the moment he saw in, in the prophecy, so now he's scared. And Reed's like, I'm going to die, too. So I've seen it. So it feels just like a big, you know, big Marvel story. And I know people are probably sick of us talking about Fantastic Four, but it is incredibly good. And also, I mean, like, this is decades of, like, Fantastic Four stories that were mostly unmemorable and never consistently interesting. And also, I'm fascinated by the fact that I couldn't stand a Dan Slott Spider-Man book for years, and now I'm like, I can't get enough! <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move over to War Corner, a book we haven't been in, a corner we haven't been in in a little while, and talk about The Lion and the Eagle, number one, from uh, Aftershock, written by Garth Ennis, drawn by P.J. Holden, and this is an oversized first issue. It's about 40 pages. I wouldn't count it manually. And because there's a lot of double page spreads in here. Um, and I have to say, I don't know that this wouldn't have been my pick of the week. I thought this was one of Garth Ennis's better war comics he's done in a long time. I thought you told me you didn't like it. I never said that. We didn't talk about it yet. I'll go, I'll go to the tape. <laughs> How? What What tape? You said, something a, about it. you said something to me about it on a text last night about you didn't like it. I thought no, I maybe I misinterpreted it. Hang on, you talk, and I, I will come back that. to you. And now we're both gonna look at our phones while on the show. That's right. That's what we're doing. All right. There's you telling me about the Nets and Harden. I know about that. <laughs> I haven't talked about this book on text. I talked you, about the I, Kindle store. The I complained Kindle that it was. I complained that it was eight bucks, and you yes. said and it wasn't great or something like that. No, but maybe no. you meant the price. I said that's not great. The price. Ah, I thought you were telling me that the book wasn't great. No. And so I almost didn't read it. No, no, no. I said the price wasn't great. I mean, but then again, I didn't know it was, t- was double size at the time. It's kind of, it was 30 something pages. It was big. No, no, I counted it. Like... It's, it's 40 pages total. Okay. Because of all the double pages. Oh, because of the doubles. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Still. So, but fine. I loved this issue. And I th- it it might have been well, my that... biggest size in my week. I was trying to figure out, I was like, what was there not to like about this? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so that makes a lot more sense. And what I really um, love is that, um, like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, this story takes place in Burma, in World War II, with the confluence of the Chinese and British armies fighting the Japanese army. Yeah. And, and the, I don't, the British, I don't, it, their army is largely... I don't know much largely... about the war in Burma, you know? Well, I know the, the Japanese army... didn't take Burma and they didn't take India. But so they're gonna we're not gonna win, but I don't know how the outcomes right. I, I I don't know the price that the Brits are Brits are gonna pay to 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 route the Japanese out of this territory. So to me it's like I can I can kind of follow the arc of a story set on the Western Front. I can kind of follow the arc of a story set in the Pacific. I don't yeah. know the arc of the war in Burma. So that to me that's so, exciting. 
just so I mean, in the most basic sense, you've got um, the the U.S. is coming from the I guess it would be east or yeah. west, you know, to, to Japan and to, to all happened, over all yeah. those islands, and 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 then fanning out from uh, the Philippines and going northwest, and then you know the British have been, have colonized and ruled India for for hundred couple hundred years at that point and 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 the british military there is is largely indian with the shorts and but they're, they're you know, headed by yeah um they're headed by uh, british officers um or at least this, this know, unit is sikh yeah and one of the things the japanese were planning to do is sort of like take over a whole pan-asian blah 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 mm. and so the british are doing a couple of things is that they're helping the u.s but they're also trying to protect their colonies and that is fraught from a from a position and and what i liked about this issue is that really it wasn't didn't have much to do with fighting it was a lot of talking about what this was and and it's same thing like i understand the broad strokes of it but i don't know you know i don't i don't yeah. know the details of the thing and and so you know you've got british and sikh troops in burma you know fighting along with chinese nationals and uh and what all that means and it's, it's I really like the, the opening conversation between the British officer and the Chinese officer. And he's like, so uh, do you think they like you ruling them? He's like, yeah, yeah, we do a good job. They're like, eh. You know, that, that, <laughs> so I thought that was more, you know, there's a lot going on here. You know, Garth Ennis is, is going to well, recognize there's lots of contradictions in, yes. in, in anything going on. Um, and, and you know, the, 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 one of the goals that Japan was going for, and they did this through the 30s, was to try to come up with sort of a pan-Asian sort of, uh, you know, they wanted all the Asian co- countries, you know, meeting all the way through through India to, you know, rebel against the West. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a real concern. Like all they had, there was, they, were, they had conferences and meetings to trying to do that. And, you know, they were doing it outwardly and, and also um, surreptitiously before they decided to find, like, we'll just take it all ourselves, right. um, which, of course, was the thing. You know, but th- it's, it's, also, it's also complicated. And I think that that's a thing that Garth Ennis obviously knows. And I know it too, but to, he's the guy who, for me, you know, because I'm not necessarily going to get to the point where I'm able to read novels about these tiny, ticky-tacky, uh, I didn't mean to say it that way, these smaller, less obvious points about the war. The war. It's just so right. much. Like, like when they say World War, they're not kidding. And, and it's, um, it's, not, it's not a major front in the war. The war wasn't decided in Burma, unless you unless know. you lived there. You know what obviously, I mean? Obviously, yes. Obviously, yeah. I'm saying it didn't. The war, the the war didn't end in Burma, and it know? wasn't it's decided not, there, right? So it's 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 one of the side bits. It's like it's Italy, you know. It's like you know North Africa. It's not. It was a, important to the people who fought and died and lived there, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it's all important. It's all a big piece. Yeah, it's all yeah. Piece no, of, but I think that's the value of the thing. Um, uh, P.G. Holden did one of these with Garth Ennis at some point. He did some war comic with him. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I remember that, and he's great. He's great yes. for it. It's it's living in that uh, Steve Dillon, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Peter Schneeberg, yeah. sort of cartooning school, and, and can do these. He does these uh, soldiers who can look sort of resolute and dumbfounded. Like, basically, there's a doctor who is sort of out of his element. And then there's a sort of more hardened soldier guy. And they're and, best friends. They're best friends and they're not, they, you don't think that they would be, but there's a way that they are drawn. It's sort of a foggy Nelson and Matt Murdock yes. aesthetic, you know, that you can tell visually who they are and, and you know, like who their characters are and it helps. 
And also, it's again, you've got a book full of uh, characters who look alike in the same uniforms, and he's drawing people. He's not just drawing templates of white men. Yeah. Different you know. faces, and you, can, yep. and you never know. You never lose who you're looking at. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a huge deal. And then he draws great planes and tanks and shit. In the jungle. Yep. I, I thought this was terrific. This is, one, this is the best thing uh, since, since Sarah, in terms of war comics that Garth Ennis has done, I think. Yep. Yeah, it was really um, great. So looking, I mean, really, like I'm looking at these layouts and everything, and I was like, and I was like, oh, he's he's doing all the great Steve Dillon things here. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't mean that in a way like, oh, he's just aping it. I just like he's he's got it. He's figured out how to work with with Ennis in a way that it it just felt really familiar. Yeah, I thought it was really good. All right, so there uh, is this what PJ Holden did? He did, uh, yeah, he's. He did a couple of oh yeah he's done a couple of war comics with, with Garth Ennis yeah. according to his bio on the back. So those are the books we're going to talk about. But at Patreon.com/slash iFanboy, uh, patrons of all shapes and sizes and stripes and can all vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, they're keeping us in a sense in the war corner by voting for GI Joe, a real American hero, Saturday Morning Adventures number one from Eric Burnham, Dan Shonen Shoneming. Luis Antonio Delgado and Neil Yik. That's going to strip me up, Neil. Um, Uyutake. And this is a book set for squarely in the cartoon world, which I don't remember being on Saturdays. I remember being on Mondays through Fridays. I believe they might have. Yes, I know you're right, but I'm, I'm wondering if they aired on Saturdays. Maybe originally they did, but I, I, I never kid, really got a handle of the schedule on, on like I feel like Saturday morning schedules are very fluid. I saw so everyone. Difficult. We you, G.I. Joe ran in five ish five episode arcs, and we would run home to, from school to watch it. But, right, three three uh, three three thirty in the afternoon. It could have been had on to be three thirty. Saturdays was for like Spider Man and his amazing friends and Hulk. And I other things. believe that I believe they're using the term Saturday morning to uh, to bring up an era. Sure. Almost. You know, like like the Saturday morning cartoon era, that's the one we remember. You know, that doesn't even exist for people anymore. I mean, they no, might still show cartoon, but it's not It's not like it was. Right. This is well, a, we didn't have Cartoon Netflix. Network back then. We didn't have cartoons all the time. It was only on that time. It's yeah, all that's you true. Could do. It was such a big deal to be able to watch cartoons. We didn't oh, even really sure. have like animated movies like we do. Like that wasn't. No. There were some, but it wasn't like there'd be one for, I, you know, I have kids, you may have heard, and like there's a new animated movie for kids every week. I mean, or at least in normal times. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always a thing, especially during the winter. February is, like, the time that they come out, like, the people know. Um, it's, like, the opposite of um, of regular movies. Like, shitty movies come out in February, but in garden. Um, anyway. So, so, in this issue, it opens up where the Dreadnoughts have stolen an artifact, and they're, sol- they're selling it to Cobra Commander. He's very excited for it. They, he breaks it, and they're all freaking out that he just broke this thing they spent all this time and energy to get. And inside this object is the lamp of Aladdin, which Cobra Commander then rubs, and the genie appears. And I said, this might be the pick of the week. I, I got to say, I was a couple pages in, and I thought, I, you know what? I don't know if I'm all that interested in it. And I know what you're talking about with the genie appearing being something. And I was like, I'm not sure about that. And I was, I was like, well, well, let's go with it for a second. Follow that up. The next thing is what his first wish is going to be. <laughs> 
and, and he demands it's real i don't i don't i don't think you could like this if you're not our age yeah i, I don't I, like no one could read this unless they grew up watching the, the gi joe animated series i, I like it's bad it's bad but it's bad exactly correctly so his <laughs> first wish is that he demands a unit of gigantic battle tr- android troopers well or first bats. he wishes for ultimate power and the genie's like that's too vague yeah so Which then he fair. makes he makes the bat oh well, then destro um convinces him to make the bats into giant hundred feet tall bats Destro's fucking with him, right? Yeah. And Destro sells him the... I mean, in the other one, Destro sells him the weapons. Anyway, well, Destro so is the weapon dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, sold he, has, he gets five very tall robots. So here's the, here's the moment that got me, though. And this is going to be very subtle and it's probably nobody else. On page 10 of the, the, the copy we have here, yeah. uh, there's an uh, exterior shot of the base. Yeah. There's a perspective pit. issue here that I'm not going to worry about. The pit, right? Um, and and it has a huge wall up front and a huge wall on the right. But nothing it's on the sides. T- totally open <laughs> on the left. And there's, there's a road, but there's no roads leading to it. It just exists in a green field. Just randomly. It's, it's the worst defensive fortification since the Maginot Line. Yeah, there's nothing it's there. It's just so bad. It's <laughs> a good and thing Cobra only attacked the front, though. They do. And he did. He came right up against the front, and I was like, hey, giant robot. <laughs> Walk around. It's completely undefended through, you know, 100 feet to your left. <laughs> Which the is other for him thing one that, step. The other thing that happened is that um, as, I'm, as I'm reading it, like, I knew every one of the voices in yes. my head. Like, 100%. Down to, like, I was like, I know what Duke sounds like. <laughs> I know, you know, you know, I can hear the different dreadnoughts. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? This is really fun. I, I can't imagine it's going to be a situation where I keep reading it. And I got to the end and I was like, what's next? <laughs> like, I, I can't wait to get to the next issue. They well, even put on the, the, the little morality lesson at the end. Yeah, it's a where, one pager about where being mainframe angry shows on the up. internet. Wait, is that mainframe or dial tone? That's a mainframe. Okay. Dial He's tone a has a mustache. Okay, he's a Marine mainframe. I didn't know that. But he shows up in some kid's window, <laughs> which which you shouldn't do. And, and even they what? Dr- this isn't what I wanted. The people who made this are stupid. He's reading a comic, and he's going to go on his old janky computer. And this, There are some and, questions of timing. And he's going to rip rip up the people who made this comic on the internet, and mainframe says, you know, the internet is a powerful tool for communication, but we don't need to attack others for a difference of opinion, especially over a story. That can make us the bad guy in our own story. And I was like... And then in, in the most fantastic part of any of this issue, any of the issue at all, including the genie, the bad decisions, the kid goes, yeah, you're right. I won't do that. That doesn't ever happen. What's great is that there's an internet in this, apparently, uh-huh. but his computer has been drawn in such a way like it looks like a fake computer from a cartoon series in the 80s. He's going like, to have it horrible have a- carpal tunnel typing on that keyboard. It's true, but it's got the little touch screens with the wire mesh on it yeah. and... Uh, it's, and he's got a like a full on microphone. <laughs> I'm just great. excited for the three wishes. Like, what's what's he going to wish for after the, the giant bats? Oh, this is going to be great. I like sci-fi the, figuring it out that they, they weren't created giant. They were they were made giant because they had giant in, like Intel chips in them. And he pulls out <laughs> a huge board the size of himself. It's pretty great. I like how they always wear their helmets everywhere. I also I, I it's it should be noted I think that. Um, the art was exactly what it needed to be. Yes, yes. It was 100% out of the cartoon. It was better than the cartoon because the designs and proportions. Dan Schoening did a great job. He did a great, great job. Yeah. Um, it was it was 
just, it was exactly the right amount of wacky with a little extra. I'm going to knock it just a little bit for not having um, Shipwreck in it. I, you and know what? You if can, you're you a can. cartoon comic, you got to have one of the main characters in the cartoon who was Shipwreck. You can, but I thought one of the more interesting, one of the one of the things that was cool was that there really wasn't interesting. It wasn't just all the main folks. Like, they started off, and I was like, hey, there's mainframe there. Yeah. Doc is in the background of a bunch of them. You got Bazooka and Alpine. Sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi. I, I liked I liked the, like, they, they picked some random ones. I felt like the people doing the comic were like, well, let's not be totally obvious about it. Sky Strike, <laughs> or uh, Ace. Oh, man, Ace never showed up in the cartoon. Hey, there's barbecue. I like that um, <laughs> Alpine's like, is that a 100-foot bat? And Bazooka goes, big robot. Um <laughs> And then, and then Roadblock. Oh, yeah. Roadblock. <laughs> Roadblock rhymes. If you can fly, get your butts in the sky. So, you know, this was terrific. Thank you to the patrons, because honestly, I wouldn't have read it. No, I wouldn't have. And I, I had, you know what? I'm changing it. This is the pick of the week. <laughs> I can't do that to people. Oh. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have read it. I just wouldn't have seen it or noticed about it. Because there are a lot of G.I. Joe comics, and you don't want to keep up with all of them. Yeah, there's a lot. But now we've got, you know, we're going we're gonna to open this world up because, you know, like the great G.I. Joe stories, and even mention them here, he's at one point, where yes. is it? He talks about the mass device, <laughs> yes. and... Cobra Commander says, the governments of the world have never taken the threat of Cobra seriously enough. The mass device, the pyramid of darkness. So... We've got three situations here where he has three giant bats. He's sending one to. Uh, they figured out a way to make them indestructible. They have. And I like that them. he didn't waste a wish on it. Right. They use technology to make them indestructible, and so they're sending one to Paris, one to DC, and one to Tokyo to destroy them. And so it just so happens that GI Joe has teams in each or near each city. So we're going to get more characters as Flint's team is near Paris, and uh, the flag is in the Pacific near Tokyo. There'll be characters on the flag, and so. I think it'll, it's going to be wacky fun. It's a good time. When they're going to, there's definitely going to be a, a Godzilla illusion with a giant bat attacking Tokyo. I'm pretty excited about what comes next. <laughs> Ratings. Okay, so this is tricky. Because is it an all-time great comic? No. Is it exactly what it needs to be? So, like, if we're, lo- if we're looking at its intention... What its mm-hmm. mission and objective was, it's a five. <laughs> right. But like if I'm doing the New York Times review, I can't give it a five. Like in the context of, of the greater or or can I? Is I think it you only can. I think you the can. Int- okay, five. I'm it's knocking a five. It, I'm just I told you I'm knocking it to four point five because of ship shipwreck will be in the next issue. I can almost guarantee it, but you know. It's got they're making it into a moment, like he's gotta show up. That's true. Like on a tiny, tiny pirate ship. <laughs> that yeah. happened, right? Did he Come show? Come on. Nah. <laughs> yeah, all right. So G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures, number one. Pick Patriot Pick. Uh, thank you. And- just thank you for that. In, in a tough world, <laughs> it was fun to read. It was just fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, it was delightful. I'm so, not even. I'm also not recommending anyone buy it unless what they just heard <laughs> sounded perfect to them. Don't buy it if if you're like I don't know what that's about. That's yeah. not what that five means. If you're if you're 20 years younger than us, don't buy it. Yeah, because they'll be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Ryan will be back here to talk about power. Actually, 20 years younger than us is like five years younger. But patreoncom fanboy That's where the patrons go. 
they add a book to the rundown. Um, that's where they help support the show. It's a, the best way to help support the show. We thank everyone who is a patron. We give them perks. Hopefully, that's is a nice reward in addition to helping support the show, which is the main reason you become a patron. That all happens at patreon.com slash ifanboy. You unlock shows for everybody. The book explodes, the talk explodes, the media explodes. Those are all unlocked by the patrons, and everyone gets to enjoy. Uh, so we thank them. And it's a great community. The Discord community is great. The Facebook community, I assume, is still just effigies of us burning everywhere. And uh, it's just a nice place to be. We had a bunch of new... Uh, people join the communities this week, uh, and you know it's just nice to see new faces, chat conversations going on, people having places they can talk about comics and comics news and things that are fun. So patreoncom ifanboy. We really thank everyone who supports it through the sh- supports the show through that. Ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy T-shirts or other items with our designs on them. Our most recent design is the Gosh design, which we really love. There's 12 designs. Um, I have almost all of them at this point, and I wear them re- frequently. Min- it's too many shirts. I have too many shirts. That's my problem. <laughs> I went to this thing where I bought a shirt at like every concert I went to, and I went yeah. to a lot of concerts. Right. It's just too many. I don't Got like having things I can't. Yeah, but I like all my I like all my iFanboy shirts a lot. I just bought a new um, Nothing Makes Nothing Matters baseball tee. Did I say this last week? Is that every single time I put on my GDAT shirt, I, I chuckle to myself, like out loud. <laughs> like I, I am delighted by it. Yeah, so like this. This exists, <laughs> and I, I didn't have like a lot to do with it directly, yeah. but I had a part in it. I had a part in this ridiculous thing existing. I, I just That's true. Oh, it's great. Fanboy.threadless.com. Fanboy.com/support is our digital tip jar via PayPal. If you don't want to be a patron or you don't want to buy a shirt, you can throw a couple bucks in there. Or if you're an eccentric billionaire, you can throw a couple million bucks in there. We, we accept all tips. And Fanboy.com/Amazon. That's We're coming can... up against tax time. Right. Exactly. I, I don't know what that means, but if, if there's any way that we can translate that into large cash donations, just as you're like, like you've done and your taxes, the... maybe. Yeah. Maybe you have extra money that you didn't even intend to have. You know, like it was a surprise, like there's some sort of windfall. That's true. Um, that you can almost just pretend like it was never there in the first place and just give it to people who are, I don't know about deserving. No, not deserving. And no, 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 for sure. But, but who would really like it? Like I, yeah. w- I want to have your money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the great thing with the digital tip jar is it, it can fit any 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 amount can fit in there. It's not like uh, we're playing piano at a bar and you can you can't fit a million dollars into that little cup. Yeah, you can fit it all yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So where was I? Amazon. Amazon.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find our Booksplode books. And, and then Bookshop.org is our newest partner. You can find links to Bookshop.org uh, books through in, in the appropriate posts. And those sales go to help small bookstores around the country. You can designate a specific bookstore to get um, your help. Or you can have it go into a pot that all the stores benefit from. So it's a great organization. So check that out on the site where appropriate. Thanks to everyone who supports the show, including these two gentlemen who are patrons who give the $5 or higher level and they get the superpower live on the show. First up, we have Owen McNestry. Owen McNestry can uh, harness any pair of identical animals to tow him about. So oh. if you want to think of, you know, like you can see uh, Aquaman mm-hmm. with his pair of dolphins or Thor with his goats. Uh, if if uh, anywhere that Owen is, if he sees a pair of a- animals, the same you know sort of species, he can he can harness them uh, to tow him 
at, at super animal sort of capacity. So he doesn't, he doesn't conjure them, but he can harness them. Yes, yes, and he, and he can come. He can, you know, he can take command of them, and they will, they will do it. So they have to, they have to be identical, or can they, if there was two dogs, no, not identical, but I mean, like they have to be, they have to be sort of compatible. You can't have like a snail and a right. and a toad. You know what I mean? So but if he was hanging two, out with you, he could command your two dogs to take him places, right? And it would, it would look ridiculous because one is large and one is small, right? I, I'm gonna go with that. That's fine. But they would, but not only could he command, they they would do it, and it would be effective, and like it would be, right. you know, super. You know, right. in some way, M- yeah. more than it wouldn't be a literal like watch these two dogs try to tow this guy around, um, and 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 also the the method of conveyance that they're towing the chariot, the you know whatever it is that can that can depend on the situation, right? Skateboard, roller skates, you know, hay cart, whatever it is. I don't care about that part. I care about you know you know like he he goes to the zoo and some shit goes down and he's like and he and he and he sees two giraffes and he's like this and they take him off and he's I just see that classic superheroy thing where he's holding a rein in each hand yeah. and he's just connected to the other animal. It's very dramatic. Nerman Chariot has a magical bag that only he can use, and anytime he reaches his hand in that bag, he pulls out an item. That is relevant to the situation he's in, but not necessarily helpful. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, you know, he could be on on the, on the team of super patrons that you know we have here, and going into battle, he could reach in there and pull out like a sword or like a megaphone to help you know move people around the battlefield. It doesn't necessarily it, the, the how it'll help. He doesn't know until he pulls the item out. I like that. I think that works. He's like Dial H for Hero, but with a magic bag. There's also the Runaways character. I don't know. Is there? There's maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. She does. No, that's like one spell for each thing. Yeah, it's, it's one a spell. Bag. Yeah. Is it a bag of holding? Is that? No. I mean, it could be. Doesn't matter. I call hear him, what you. I like call it. Oh, grab bag. I mean, I think I think you've just created an actual character who could exist for a couple of issues. <laughs> oh, and then somebody would, would kill him. If you give it the five dollar high level, you get your superpower live on the show. And uh, we should at least do one email because this was this was this is. Um, related to the big news of the week, uh, Ethan J writes and says, in terms of comicsology alternatives, do I have options other than switching to print or waiting three to six months for things to show up on Marvel Unlimited or DC Infinite? So no. this week, uh, as been, as been, has been foretold for a while, comicsology merged uh, more thoroughly with, with its corporate parent Amazon in terms of technology, and um, people aren't happy with it. And then and it's been a mess. So, Ethan, there's no other alternative than the ones. Yeah, you're you done. If you want to read digitally, you only have Comicsology, or I'm talking about Marvel or DC Comics because there's lots of places you can read digitally for comics that aren't Marvel and DC. But if you want to read those comics, uh, Comicsology is the only one left with the license outside of their own companies, which have their own apps, which you mentioned, Marvel Limited and DC Infinite, which are great apps, but they are. You have to wait three to six months for the issues to hit those apps after release. So you're really kind of yeah. stuck. Yeah, you're hosed. You're yeah. hosed. In the very early it's, days uh, of the of the whole digital thing, there were several apps that had licenses of various kinds, but Comicsology quickly gobbled up all the main licenses, became the digital version of Diamond. And, you know, most people want to open one app to read their comics, which I understand. So that's how it became the dominant place and everyone else lost their... You know, didn't get you know. It's only been comicsology, so you know the, the downside we, of the monopoly, the downside of opening one after read all your comics is if they can fuck around with their system and then everyone's up, upset and they but they have no recourse. 
Yeah. So it is what it is. It will probably get better, <clears throat> is my guess. You know, right now it's, it's really rough. I'm hoping it gets better anyway. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say. The there's, there's several layers of complaint. The most written about on the internet has been about the browser experience, which is strange because I feel mm-hmm. like most people are probably not reading on the browser. But well, maybe the the store. I don't think the store experience is going to get any better because basically the store experience is basically has totally replicated what Amazon does in general with their stores. They're probably not going to change that. Yeah, which is just you know various tangentially related items shown together so you might want to start buying lots of random things and so that's how the comic store kind of is now used to be you go to comiXology and you could see exactly the new books that came out all grouped together and now it's like just a shotgun of random comics when you go to the 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 kindle comic store now as they're calling it just 80 percent uh chinese knockoffs basically what, what well it it's weird you know there's there, the first thing you see is featured new releases and those are some of the new books but not certainly not all of them and they the, the yeah. first ones you see are all the comiXology you know originals and then you got to go several layers down to get to more new releases and i don't even think that I, I was looking at that i don't even think there was all of them it's just hard to say because it's such a mess and you got to do how, your research outside keep yeah. your own lists that's how the amazon yeah. store is in general um, and you have to very be very specific in how you search. You can't just put in like yes Nightwing and hope you get the new issue of Nightwing. You're going to get Nightwing toys and Nightwing lunchboxes, and you know it's going to be it's a it's a not a user friendly change right now. Now I, my hope is that the app gets better because that's how I primarily. I mean I've, I think I read comics once on the browser, and that was because my old gasoline powered iPad ran out of gas in the middle of the show, and I had to <laughs> I had to open up the browser to do it. But that was the only time I ever did it. I only, I only read in the app. And that, that experience has got a lot of bugs, and hopefully they will fix those. But it's not a not a great time. Not a great time. Here week. we are. Yeah. Yeah. But what are you going to do? No. There it is. We'll just have to deal with it. Because like I said, there's no, there's no other option. You suck it up. I mean, suck it up. Like, say, can... for example, that you have a high-end television, and two weeks out of warranty, uh, it just shits the bed, and you can't do anything about it except buy another TV. It... Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I will say there's lots of people who use Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinite. It's basically like, that's such a reductive thing. It's basically Netflix. You, you pay a month, and you get unlimited access to their releases. The downside is you got to wait three to six months after release. But we have a lot of listeners who do that. Our numbers spike it's, again after those three to six month waiting periods. People read their books again. Um, it's not good for our business model. No, we Josh and I couldn't use it, but you could listen to the show and still do. It. You, just, you just have to wait three to six months. I mean, I mean for our audience, like it's oh. not good for us. <laughs> it does not keep them coming back week after week on releases. But it does. It's just three months and delayed. <laughs> sure. So you could use those. They're, they're great services. It's just that you won't be you won't be uh, you know on top of things like everybody else, which is the downside. So. But it's all the only option you got. Um, hopefully, you know the big the big specter in the room is piracy, and I hope I hope no one. I I realize people are angry and upset, but I hope no one goes down that route. There's other you know. I mean, ways to, to it, read your comics. It's not going anywhere. It's probably not getting. It's it's there, you know. Like like it's it's uh, it's going to do what it does probably. And I'm sure anyway, people will start doing that again, and it's unfortunate because it hurts creators. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and and gets books canceled. It also hurts innovation. Like it, it, this won't get better if everybody just abandons it. You know, kind of in a way. So there we are. Um, uh, let's say, you know what? Let's be done. Let's do another. Okay. We did. We talked a lot about books. Uh, and and we'll call it. We'll call it. We'll do more emails next week. 
contact.fanboy.com sure. is how you can write in like Ethan and uh, the other people whose emails are in the script but you can't see. Uh, also, if you can write in for our Media Splode show um, by just putting Media Splode in the subject line so we know what you're talking about. What is the Media Splode show? That's our monthly non-comics media discussion show which came out just this week. The newest episode, it was unlocked by the patrons and this episode we talked about the Book of Boba Fett season one. So if you were a patron, you probably heard uh, on our last hangout the rant about the first half of the season of Book of Boba Fett season one. Now we have the fi- the full discussion, much more calm discussion about the entire season, plus some other things. We got a letter taking us to task on something that we didn't agree with, and that was an interesting discussion. Um, so uh, there's always interesting things happening in the media's blood dance, and that's where we are. We're, we're back with Ron on that show. Our original co-host is on that show. That's true. Also... This month coming up, there's only, well, there's only one more week in the month. So uh, this month, uh, you'll have your Talksplode with Will Dennis Part 2 that Josh did. So that's that'll be coming out. And then... It was even longer than the first one. It's a long show. And then, like, not like, oh, no, I don't have three hours. It was like, it, was, it went on. It, it's good. It's a very comprehensive look. And then next month, you'll have the Booksplode that we owed you in February be coming out in the first week of the month that's going to be on the new teen titans the judas contract and then after that we'll have a show on the batman which will hopefully be coming out much sooner than after release than the spider-man show did and there will also be a show on catwoman hunted the animated brain trust will be talking about that so and then then you'll have a media explode so you'll get at least four shows extra shows in march um we'll figure out the schedule the schedule is already this may be the fastest the schedule's already imploded but we'll figure it out. You can find all of our shows at ifanboy.com as well as the archive of years of great comic book writing from our talented staff of writers uh, who are patient, uh, mm-hmm. lovely, uh, giving, caring people. Um, Correct. I, I miss working with all those people. Yep. I, 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 it, was, it, was, it was kind of fun to, it be, was fun. to, to be, run all this stuff around. The times move on. Uh, good group, interesting act, brains, act interesting thoughts and yep. perspectives. It was, good, it was a good time. To find out what the peak of the, peak of the week... The peak of the week. The peak what is wrong with me today? To find out what the peak of the week is before the show comes out, you and Carmine Judam and Management can follow at I. Why can't I say that? I don't know. It's That's, weird. I'm not the I'm not the guy who can't say things. I'm the guy who can say things, and I can't do it. We all I have think our I could probably do it if if I wasn't looking at the letters. There are so many syllables <laughs> in it. When I look at it, it scrambles my brain. Uh, follow at iFanboy on Twitter and at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can follow us individually, CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and at Jay Flanagan on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy to keep up to date on the old video show re-uploads. The full-length shows are all uploaded and we're just doing minis now this past week. I know you're excited about this. <laughs> you were thinking, hey guys, what was it that came out on August 6, 2008? Well, I got good news for you. And, and what are going to be stellar YouTube numbers. Um, yeah. But that's what one of them is. The other one is Robert Venditti on San Diego Comic-Con 2008. At that point, was he doing DC? He was the guy who did I think he was still doing... No, I think he the, was still the, doing just the So he's the, the top-shelf male guy. The surrogates, yeah. Yeah. But he was also, at the same time, the top-shelf male guy. Oh, was he? He was Yes, he was. And then he went from being the top-shelf male guy who did a book that got made into a movie with Bruce Willis to uh, a long and healthy career at DC Comics. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, the um, the daily topical content, not as popular as the weekly long-form evergreen content. 
I yeah. just I, that's exactly how it should work. So <laughs> I guess still yeah, it's that, a nice that's time right. capsule. I mean, the shows were literally designed that way, so we yeah. can't we can't complain. No. But they're going to be there. They live yeah. in the archive. And if you like this show, I don't, I, you know, don't judge us by the last five minutes where both, apparently both of our brains just stopped. Just stopped. Shut up. This was a great show. Last week sucked. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying this portion of the show, oh, previous bad. to this portion of the show, it was fine. I mean, this portion of our brains stopped. If you're on the fence, you're not listening at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you were, like if you're listening at this point, you're indoctrinated. You don't even know if it's good or not anymore. You know, if you're right. still hanging, like us. <laughs> right. Is that it? Are we so done? I also want to point out what you just said is that last week sucked because we had some major technical problems. Not That's true. for any other reason. We had it's a real Ryan. bad it's... delay between the three of us, which caused us to keep stumbling over each other and editing process. It was a whole big thing. It was a whole issue. So anyway. But it's that's Ryan's what fault. Of course it's Ryan's fault. It's Ryan's fault. That, uh, this I is why you bring on fault. a new He's a person. He's our patsy. Sure, you have to bring on a scapegoat. That's why, yeah. that's why we always have a person like Connor and I can't be responsible. We're in charge. We can't be made to look weak. No, or foolish. Right, no. We, I mean, like, if we're still making mistakes at this point, what does that say about us? No. I can't we're trying be made to, bring to look ridiculous. In. We're trying, and a man in our position, man in our position, can't be, can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. Even if you're in your mid forties and doing a show about comic books called I Fanboy, this we can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. I don't see why that's not clear. But we right, come along, it. we we find younger people who are nearly forty, and we <laughs> we, we mentor them, right. and we give them a chance to shine. You know, they're gonna stumble. For other reasons, not just because they're less experienced, but because they're less skilled. They have less natural aptitude. I don't know why I'm doing this. I would hate it if somebody did this to me. I'm trying to do a character and it's not working. But uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just kidding, Ryan. Ryan's, Ryan is so much more capable than I am in so many ways. It's not even funny. That's why you have to tear him down. That's Exactly. Because you're subconsciously My- aware of that and you want to destroy him. I mean, I have a pretty fragile ego. <laughs> I mean, that's what's led to my political conversions of late. Right, exactly. Q has a lot of really interesting things to say about it. <laughs> we want to talk, I want to talk to you after the show about the new flags you're showing up in your front yard. <laughs> if you like the show, consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Lindsay's been sending me photos, and I'm really upset about it. Wherever you get your podcast, please consider leaving a review. Better yet, tell your friends, your mom, or the, you know the guy who you buy your political flags from. Tell them about your podcast. You know that you enjoy listening to. Not just this show, any show you listen to. Thanks for that. And then this is it for the show. I am Connor. That makes me Josh. Thank you. I, I hope that that may have seemed disjointed. I had a hell of a lot of fun though. <laughs> That's the best hour I've spent most of the week. So thanks, GI Joe. No, no, it was you, Connor. It was always me. It's always been you. (laughs) I'm just a nerd standing here (laughs) 3,000 miles from a nerd (laughs) talking into a microphone about some bullshit. (laughs) 